In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, we're back here on the camp. Uh, it's, been, it's been a couple weeks since we did a show. A lot has happened. But I think it's, uh, Jesse, it's, uh, it, it's been a busy offseason. We knew it was going to be a busy offseason. This is exactly what we expected to happen. It's only December. <laughs> there's, there's a whole lot more that's going to happen here the rest of the month and into January and obviously in February and throughout the entire uh, offseason. It's going to be an exciting one. And we'll, uh, hopefully I will do a better job of uh, setting this up and, and we'll, we'll have a weekly as uh, we used to or we did throughout the entire season. But that said, the biggest news to come out of this uh, last two-week period came on Saturday when Oklahoma quarterback Nick Evers announced that he was committing to Wisconsin, former four-star recruit, played for Oklahoma last year, one game through one pass, but was one of the top-rated quarterbacks in the country in the 2022 class. I mean, he was the number nine quarterback overall in terms of the 24-7 composite four-star kid. I believe it's been pointed out. I think I pointed it out last week on an episode of Kenny and Heilprin, but he is the uh, highest rated quarterback since Graham Mertz to play for the Badgers. <laughs> so he's got that going for him. But you had an opportunity to, to chat with him. And I, I'm wondering what you uh, what your initial impression of Nick Evers is and in, in having him come to Madison. Initial impressions are certainly very mature. I know he handled a lot of interview requests on Saturday and a lot of guys just blow you off. And he wanted to make sure that he talk to everybody because he understood that we had a job to do, but strictly from what this means for Wisconsin, I think it's a huge deal. And I don't want to go over the top and say that this is a program changing quarterback and that Wisconsin is going to win a national championship. I'm not saying that at all, but when you evaluate or we in general evaluated Luke Fickle's to-do list uh, when he got hired three weeks ago, there were a lot of things on that list, but I think, it's safe to say that no single assignment was more vital than finding a quarterback who could lead Wisconsin in the future because Graham Mertz entered the transfer portal. Wisconsin had just two scholarship quarterbacks set for the roster next season. Miles Burkett, who has played in two games, Cola crew, who was an incoming freshman. They needed some help. They desperately needed some help and they, they needed, they didn't just need bodies. They needed people with the potential to change things for this offense and especially with a new offensive coordinator, which we'll get into as well. And this is a guy who's obviously had a lot of high school success. And I think his talent will fit in well with what new offensive coordinator Phil Longo wants to do. Um, and again, I know we'll address that more, but he likes a quarterback who's got some mobility. He wants to run RPOs. And this is something that Evers can do. I also think Part of maybe why this is tempered, I know there's a lot of excitement, is because, as you said, the highest-rated quarterback since Graham Mertz, and expectations were so astronomically high for Graham, and he's leaving here with a 19-13 and 13 record and never having led Wisconsin to a Big Ten West title. And also, this is uh, a kid in Evers who, as you said, played in one game during his true freshman season at Oklahoma through one pass. And there's no guarantee he's not walking in here as a slam-dunk starting quarterback. We're going to have to see what happens in spring practice because I think Miles Burkett, has certainly impressed in his first year, uh, certainly behind the scenes, and I think he'll be able to challenge. But that's why this might be one of the more fascinating spring practices I've ever covered. Um, I'm I, I don't I'm not saying that as hyperbole. Like I don't know who the quarterback's going to be, but all three of those guys, Lacru Burkett and Evers, who said that he's going to be enrolling next month to participate in offseason workouts in spring practice, 
they're going to be there. And I don't think Wisconsin is done yet because obviously three scholarship quarterbacks is not enough to go into a season with. So they're still trying to find somebody in the transfer portal and, and maybe that guy could challenge or, or be a starter. So it's a very exciting time for Wisconsin football. Absolutely. It's a lot different, I think, from what we've seen the last few years. You mentioned the potential for another quarterback coming in. Uh, I don't know if you asked him about it, but he, I think uh, 24-7 asked him you know, whether it was a situation where he would be opposed to having another transfer quarterback coming in. He said no. Um, it would be it's, it's competition. Nothing's going to be handed to you and that type of thing. I think the whole expectation throughout this week was that if he came, a guy like Brendan Armstrong, who was on campus this past weekend, would not be there. It appeared throughout the week that was going to be the case. Why would he go from Oklahoma not playing to a Wisconsin situation where he wasn't guaranteed any playing time? But I don't know if he wouldn't even been in the competition for a starting job at Oklahoma and at Wisconsin, he at least will be in the competition for it. Um, and I'm just wondering if you believe him in that respect, in terms of being okay with them bringing in more than one transfer quarterback. I think he has to be. Uh, I don't think you go anywhere without understanding that there's going to be a challenge to it, but Wisconsin has to be honest with him in this process. Even if you come in, like I said, that's three scholarship quarterbacks. That's just not enough. You cannot go into a season with that. I mean, that's why a major college program tries to take a quarterback every year. And it's a big deal when they don't because things like this can happen. So I have to imagine that when he says that you got to take it at face value. And, and yeah, I mean, he did, you know, says that he's less concerned about who else is coming in and he was more concerned about the fit now he's certainly going to have an opportunity, and I think that's where it starts. But he's got to know that nothing will be handed to him. But there is a, an avenue to playing time, and I think that's important here. Obviously, now you mentioned Miles Burkett. Do you think we are just kind of forgetting about him uh, with everybody else? You know, we need to get this guy in. We need to get that guy in. Do you think people are underestimating what Miles Burkett could do? I think so. I really do. Um, and it's easy to underestimate because he's an in-state quarterback. He didn't have a ton of offers. I, I remember talking to him and his dad about this. He took a visit to Iowa, and one of Iowa's assistant coaches who's no longer there told him that he wasn't good enough to be a Big Ten quarterback. So obviously Wisconsin felt differently, and and I think certainly what he's done in limited duty, you can see that skill set and that potential. But he's got a year in the system He's got mobility. That's the other thing, too, is I think he is fully equipped to be able to run Phil Longo's offense. And the other thing is, as a high school quarterback, for him to complete 70-plus percent of his passes the way that he did during his career, that just doesn't happen at the high school level. So I think that's a skill set that you cannot ignore here. And I do think that, look, Graham Mertz is gone. A couple guys, I think, should have every opportunity to earn this job and and that's what Wisconsin needed was to be able to create competition. That's something that never happened in the Graham Mertz era after Jack Cohn got hurt. So I, I'm certainly not writing him off, and I believe that he'll be able to challenge. But that's, again, why spring and fall practice are going to be so intriguing, because we still don't know a ton about what it will look like and how each player will adapt, because they're going to have to learn a new offense and a new system. You mentioned the hyping up of players. We, we hype Graham Mertz up. Some of that is the media's fault probably a lot of it but it, again it's when you get the highest rated quarterback recruit you've ever gotten it's it's worthwhile to be excited about do you think we've not, not as media because we're always going to hype guys up because that's just what we do but do you think uh as uh as a fan base as a wisconsin fan base that 
we've learned the lesson about hyping up guys, or is this everybody just going all in again on Nick Evers, despite, you know, maybe some, uh, I wouldn't say call concerns, but maybe some things that maybe he wasn't as highly ranked of a quarterback coming out as he should have been, or he was more highly ranked than maybe he should have been considering what happened at Oklahoma and the inability to get on the field, even when there were some injuries and some lackluster play from the backup quarterback still couldn't get out there. I mean, do you think we've learned the lesson at all? I can't speak for the entire fan base, but my sense is that there is a little bit of of tempered expectations (laughs) for me personally. um, You know, uh, like when Graham was a few weeks away and I'm, I'm sure I talked about this before, but a few weeks away from enrolling, he was about to go play in the all American bowl. I flew out to Kansas to watch him work out with his private quarterbacks coach to write a story about it, a lengthy story about his path and why he was coming to Wisconsin. And a lot of times when I write about these high school prospects, what I'm writing about is why they're coming to Wisconsin, but what it is about their skill set that can help them kind of bring Wisconsin to, to, to basically fulfill that potential. Like what is it that they can do to help Wisconsin potentially based on what they did in high school. And with Graham, Obviously, the expectation was high. And so I I acknowledge that I suppose in part I contributed to that because I regularly wrote about Graham. But the reason that I regularly wrote about him is because people were so interested in him. I think that's a that's a delicate balance, too, in in your coverage of the team on a beat is it's not about kind of what I want all the time. It's about what I think people will be willing to read. and my goal is to entertain and inform, but that's why I went out there and a lot of people read it. Um, but when I wrote about it, but when I wrote about Graham, it was about how he has the potential to help Wisconsin go to that next level. And the whole high school ranking thing, it's interesting because the kids don't put that on themselves. And at the same time, he fully embraced it. And he talked about trying to come here and change things for Wisconsin and win a national championship and why he turned down Alabama and Clemson and everywhere else. Um, but I do think that what's happened here the last four years, to me at least, is a little bit of a cautionary tale of sorts and just not automatically assuming that something amazing is going to happen. And, and that was hard to do after a starting debut because he was so <laughs> incredible against Illinois. But I think there were other people who were saying that he was going to be able to do that. I mean, his high school coach told me, I'm a firm believer that with Graham at quarterback at Wisconsin, they will be playing for a national championship. So that that was the thought process of, of what his potential was and what his ceiling was coming in, and it never got there. So it's it's very interesting. But getting Evers on the heels of that, for me, it's, it definitely tempers expectations. Um, but it, it does, if you're a fan, give you more reason to be excited about what this Luke Fickle era can be because clearly they have been on the warpath here on the recruiting trail. I, uh, I mean, you never know what's going to happen, but all I can say is three weeks in, I don't know that you can ask for more from what they've been able to do. Um, and obviously they're not done yet because signing day is coming up in the February signing period and they're still trying to build a roster. Yeah. We will have a, a special signing day episode coming up here later this week. Um, in terms of Nick Evers and yeah. we, you mentioned Phil Longo, they hire him as offensive coordinator. What he did at North Carolina, very impressive. Some of the best offenses in North Carolina history. I don't want to call this. People aren't going to like this, but like what Paul Chris did at Wisconsin in terms of some of his offenses before he went on to Pitt. That's kind of what Phil Longo did at North Carolina in terms of having some of the best offenses in school history. You think about Paul Chris offenses, 2005, 2010, 2011 three of the best offenses that Wisconsin's ever had. So um, not comparing their styles, not comparing their trajectory. I'm just saying that's kind of what he was 
uh, and North Carolina in, in terms of what they were able to do offensively. How do you think he fits at Wisconsin? Because it is it, it is a significant change. Um, you look at some of the numbers and the type of formations they run. Wisconsin, to their credit, did run quite a quite a bit of uh, three wide receiver sets. North Carolina, their base set was almost all was was almost almost always had three wide receivers on the field. So yeah. it, it is going to be a little bit different. But you had a chance to talk with uh, uh, a quarterback that played in that system. This is going to be this is going to be a different uh, situation for Wisconsin. How do you think it's what kind of fit do you think it is? I actually think it's going to be a great fit. And I did a lengthy story after Longo got hired and had a chance to talk to talk to several people. Um, Jeremiah Briscoe, who's his quarterback at Sam Houston. Um, Briscoe threw 57 touchdown passes, set records in the FCS. But I also talked to Matt Luke, who was the head coach at Ole Miss when Longo was offensive coordinator there. I talked to Jacob Peeler, who was the wide receivers coach at that time. Um, and then I also talked to Mike Leach for this story. Um, just crazy timing. I actually talked to him a, a few days before he passed away. Um, and uh, Longo was a disciple of Mike Leach. And the, the story goes that Longo was coaching high school football. He's from um, East Coast, New Jersey area and drove 11 hours to Kentucky when Leach was the offensive coordinator there to hear him talk to coaches and uh, just really fell for the air raid offense. And they became friends and Longo would go and visit Leach wherever he was, especially at Texas Tech, like every year. And they would talk football and learn from each other. And so that's kind of where this all started for Longo. But why I think it's going to be a good marriage at Wisconsin is that Yes, there are air raid principles, and when they throw the ball, it is air raid, but he will utilize the personnel that he has, and Wisconsin, obviously, with the running backs that they have, with the the ability to get quality offensive linemen in a lot of years, I think it's going to be very balanced, and that's one thing that maybe gets lost in the shuffle is, yeah, North Carolina put up some crazy numbers uh, under Longo, but they ran the ball basically as much as they passed. You look at what North Carolina's done this season 474 rushing attempts 491 throws and so i think that that's why this can work but wisconsin clearly needed some juice and clearly needed to do something differently and i think that this is going to be a really good thing and to your point about the personnel groupings that's probably going to be the most notable change i would think um maybe particularly in passing downs this was in my story, but North Carolina used 11 personnel, which is one tight end, one running back, three receivers, the third most in the country, 86% yeah. of the snaps. And Wisconsin ranks 112th in that category at 40%. Um, so I think that gives you an idea, as you said, of, of what Longo is going to want to do. And also, I think the aggressiveness on fourth down is something to keep in mind. North Carolina has converted 21 of 33 fourth down attempts, which is in the top 20 in the FBS and 11 of 17 through the air. Wisconsin this season is 5 of 13 on fourth down, which is tied for 110th, and just 1 for 9 passing on fourth down. So, I mean, obviously there can be some repercussions for <laughs> not getting it and putting your defense in a tough spot, but he'll bring some aggressiveness. He wants to get the ball to his playmakers in space. He wants to simplify things for the quarterback. And honestly, this is the most, in that entire story that I wrote, the thing that was most fascinating to me was, was talking to the, Jacob Peeler, the, the guy who was the wide receivers coach at, at Ole Miss. Now he's the wide receivers coach at Missouri. But he talked about how the receivers have a freedom to run their routes within a framework. So they can't cross certain landmarks. He said it, it's not like Thanksgiving backyard football. But it's so simplified for players that the receivers are tasked with just not running where the defender is. 
That's what he said. It's run to open grass. He calls it chasing grass. And they always say, don't run into a headache. So I think that's going to be really intriguing to watch at Wisconsin. And a lot of this is going to come back to how much does the quarterback, how much can he get on the same page with the receiver? But Briscoe was talking about this, that a lot of people think, how is that possible? Like if the quarterback doesn't know where the wide receiver is going to go, if he can break it off at any time, if he can break in or out. And he said, that only happens when you don't practice it enough. So I think that, I think this is going to be really good for Wisconsin. And I think that'll utilize what Wisconsin does well, but also help take the passing game to the next level, because let's face it, it just hasn't been very good. I don't even think they've ranked, they've ranked outside the top 100 in passing offense in each of the last three years. Um, I know they run the ball a lot, but you got to be better than that and more balanced to have success. Well, and there were moments this year where they passed the ball well in that, yes. you know, in the first eight games, uh, there were moments. Um, the last four games just weren't good enough. And uh, I'm just, you know, we, we, we have seen at times offenses like this maybe struggle when the, the weather gets a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But do you think based on their willingness to run the ball that the way that they are, um, this was the whole thing when Gary Anderson came in. They still, you can still be a power run team even when you're not under center and have like eight million tight ends on the field. You can still be a power running team in that respect. Do you think that they'll still have that ability even going to this this version of the air raid? I do. I mean, Briscoe said that they won games where he threw it, and I think he's exaggerating a bit, but sixty-five times in a game, and they won where he threw it fifteen times in a game, and I. And I went and looked at the box scores and there was a game where he threw it 20 times um, and they won the game. So I think he's able to adapt and there are going to be situations where it's challenging. You and I obviously remember a game last month where Graham threw a ball to the other hash and it just floated up there and got pushed back by the wind. But I think some of that might be, I don't want to say overrated, but like teams have had a lot of success doing this. And just because it's cold doesn't mean you can't have some success. But they're going to have to rely on the running game. But I think it'll just be more balanced and more explosive. It'll be it'll be interesting. And again, I they're not done at quarterback, but I think the quarterbacks they have committed and the quarterbacks they have scholarship wise are good fits for what Phil Longo wants to do. If you look at you know those first two years that he was at North Carolina, they had two very good running backs um, back there that nearly ran for a thousand yards each in 2019. Did in 2020. And then these last two years, the quarterback's been the leading rusher. So they're going to use the quarterback run game. I don't think it's necessarily exactly what you want to do all the time. You'd like to have uh, a, a Michael Carter or a, a Javon Williams back there to be able to hand the ball off to. And I think Wisconsin, more often than not, is going to have that type of back. Uh, we'll see. With Braylon Allen, obviously, that was the other part of this last two weeks, Braylon Allen breaking the news himself that he was uh, mm-hmm. coming back to Wisconsin. Uh, let's uh, what do you want to do? Let's let's get into uh, since we're talking about transfers, uh, we're talking about Nick Evers, we're talking about some other guys. Um, Wisconsin has had. Remember what would I set? What did I set the over under at? I said at eight and a half, I think, in terms of guys are going to transfer out within like the first couple of days. It was at eight, and I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> oh, uh, yikes. So, yet since that time, two of the guys have come back. Michael Furtney was only in the portal for I think about eight or nine days. He returned, was welcomed back, back of practice. Marcus Allen left in the middle of the season in October, I believe after the Northwestern game, went into the portal, was in the portal for an extended period of time, had a couple of different offers. I think Kansas was one and Minnesota was one, and he ended up committing to Minnesota less than a week later. He decommitted from Minnesota, said his recruitment was 100% open. 
and we get word very soon after that that he's going to be coming back to Wisconsin. Now, that has gone over differently um, depending on <laughs> depending on who you are. Jack Sitchie, not a fan of it. Was not <laughs> uh, was not a big fan of it. Uh, he was pretty straight up. Would you call it adamant against Jesse? I, I don't know. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna get this here, but would you call it adamant against the the return of Marcus Allen? I'd say that's fair to say. He doesn't have to name anyone by name for you to know exactly who he's talking about and saying that. I mean, yeah, here it, it, was, yeah, here yeah, it is. Go ahead. Yeah. So here's the the tweet that's been sin- that was since deleted. Ran the wrong routes consistently. Dropped countless passes in games and practice. Couldn't take responsibility. Enters portal. Commits to a rival. Decommits and expects to be welcomed back. Kids are so soft. It's embarrassing. <laughs> um, Jack said, "You tell me how you really feel." So he he broke that out, and I mean, within minutes, it goes everywhere, and he ends up deleting it. And he he sends out a later tweet. This one not as inflammatory, but still very very clear that he wasn't a fan of this. Said, "Should I have kept my mouth shut? Absolutely, but I care too much about this place to do that. If you think we're gonna have any different results from the past two years by welcoming back people who jump ship, think again." Now these guys have to be welcomed back as soon as they enter the transfer portal. Wisconsin no longer has to hold up their scholarship. You know what I mean? Like they, if they leave and they're in the transfer portal and they say, Oh, I want to come back. Wisconsin be like, no, you're not getting a scholarship back from us. So that was Jack Sitchie on it. Marcus Allen. We haven't heard from yet. He's not practicing, but I went and asked the, you know, some players this week where their feelings were. And Rodas Johnson was like, I was hurt at first, but I got, you know, that's a brother and I'm going to welcome him back in. I'm, I'm open arms. And I asked if that like, but he's like, I have, he has to earn respect. He has to earn respect back in the locker room. And I asked him if that was, you know, throughout the entire locker room. He said, yeah, people, if people are going to have problems with him, well, then box or something, get it out of your system. Because if you look to your right and you look to your left, you have to be able to trust that person next to you. He's a teammate. He's a brother. And that's what it is. And I, and I think, um, you know, I think a lot of people welcome Michael Furtney back with open arms. He missed one practice. It's no big deal. Marcus Allen left in the middle of the season, left his teammates. And, you know, there were a lot of people that said, Oh, you know, he's got to do what's best for him. And I don't, it, it is what it is, but I think that there's an underlying, a little bit of tension there. I think generally people were positive, but I think there's a little underlying tension there with, with Marcus Allen a little bit. I could be completely reading that wrong. I think he's a popular guy in the locker room, but it's still, you, you left, you went to a rival and now you came back and maybe Jack Sitchie's just a, from a different, I don't want to say a different era because his, his final year was 2017, but Things have changed pretty considerably in college football since 2017. Yeah, they have. I, I think this is a legitimate storyline in terms of what the impact could be from a locker room standpoint because he did leave, and a lot of the, uh, everybody else who stayed had to go through some really difficult times the last couple of months. They had to answer questions from us. They had to play for Jim Leonard and then see that he wasn't going to be the coach and. Marcus wasn't a part of that. And so I, I think, was it Tanner Bordellini who was talking about something to that effect that there yeah. were guys who went through things and, and Marcus wasn't a part of that experience at, at the same time, this is kind of what the transfer portal is. And I think the unique situation here is he's coming back to an entirely different coaching staff and an entirely different offense. And Luke fickle talked about this, that one of the things they did in addition to trying to go out and talk to the guys who are, still on the team so they don't leave and try to get recruits in is talk to the guys who are in the the transfer portal to see whether they would reconsider. And obviously they had that conversation with Marcus. And so 
that's where I think it's a little bit different here is he's, he's coming back to the same teammates, but he's coming back to a different offense and a different coaching staff. And that coaching staff wanted him to be a part of the program. And so if they felt there was value there and Marcus felt like it was a good fit, you know, you may feel some type of way as a teammate, but he's going to be a part of this team. And if he can help you, I think that is substantial, but clearly there's going to be some earning back of trust with those teammates. And maybe it does make you question what's going to happen the next time something really difficult happens. Is he going to be around? And that's, that's up to Marcus to prove why he wants to be a part of this. I think he's got an awful lot of talent, even though he wasn't one of the top three wide receivers this season. And I think he can really help Wisconsin, but it is very intriguing. It, it is the era that we're in with the transfer portal. And I think that this, I mean, his situation, again, it's unique because he picked a school. Like I think there are other guys who may enter the portal and realize, uh Oh, uh, maybe not, not as many schools want me, or I'm not going to be in a better situation, but um, he did commit to Minnesota of all places. So yeah, it's strange. Um, Fertney's situation is much different, obviously. Yeah. He, he stayed until the end of the season. Um, and he, Bob Bostead left. His position coach left. He went to Indiana. And he felt like he needed to make a decision to because he wants to play in the NFL. He, he wants to give himself an opportunity. And he felt like his best opportunity to do that would be somewhere else. And then Fickle wanted to talk to him. Uh, and, and some of the other guys on staff wanted to talk to him and wanted him to bring him back. And um, I know they talked to him, I think it was him and Samar Melvin at, at the same time, just about um, trying to come back. Like, you know, where, where are you, where, what are your thoughts? And, um, you know, Fertney, he was open to it and obviously ended up coming back because they wanted him and he did, didn't want to leave these guys. And so I don't think it's as big of a deal with him, but the, the Marcus Allen situation. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty unusual. What if Graham wanted to come back? <laughs> I don't see that happening, <laughs> but um, yeah, that'd be tough, but he also stayed till the end of the season. Um, now he's missing some bowl practices, but I don't see that happening. But the strange thing is I kind of wonder what would have happened if he had been in this offense all along, because <sighs> I don't know. I, I mean, he, he played in a shotgun system in high school and it took a lot of adjustment, obviously to come to Wisconsin and, and run some different things and go under center. But, um, I think he would have been okay in the system, but there it's time to move on. That's kind of where everyone's at. Uh, the one thing, one more thing on, on Marcus Allen, uh, Mumajong meta said he wasn't going to fault anybody for making a decision, but I, I kind of got this, the, the feel from Situ where it was, he didn't take responsibility for it. He didn't work through what he needed to, uh, to work through. He dropped passes in practice, no response, all that good stuff. And, I thought the the comment from from Muma was, if you want to win games, you want to be a Badger. You're here and you're willing to put in the work, not just talk about it, but be about it. Mm -hmm. That's all I can ask for in a teammate. I, I thought that was notable because he he actually took some time in his answer uh, before before responding to the question. Uh, there was there was a little bit of a pause in his in his mind of exactly what he wanted to say before he said it. So I think that's at least notable uh, on that front. So the the other aspect of these last three weeks has been the recruiting trail, where Wisconsin has hit has hit had to hit it hard because uh, they they lost some commits. They were down to what was it eight? Mm -hmm. It's down to eight at one point. Yes. Now they're sitting at twelve. The first one to come out was it was kind of like back to back, right? Mm -hmm. Jonas DeClona, the cornerback out of Florida, and Braden Moore, the safety out of Ohio, or the athlete out of Ohio. Those two guys both committed to Cincinnati, came on an official visit. 
and uh, uh, announce the decision. But I, I've, uh, I apologize for this, Jesse, but I, I've been asked about that commitment and having read your story, I kind of did like a bastardized version of the story. I didn't tell it exactly the way it needed to be told. Um, but I thought what they did with Jonas DeClona in going down to Florida is just a little bit of a change yep. in recruiting intensity. Can you, can you tell us that story? Yeah, um, I do think that this is kind of the most notable thing that we're going to see moving forward. And it's something Wisconsin fans have probably desperately wanted here for the last year or two. But um, so Jonas Duclona, as you said, he had decommitted from Cincinnati and took the official visit, which last weekend now with a bunch of other players. And he told me that he left Madison uncommitted, told the staff that he wanted some time to think about it. I think he probably would have picked Wisconsin eventually because the early signing period was coming up. But Colin Hitchler, who's the, the safeties coach, or at least he was at Cincinnati. I know we haven't gotten official titles yet at, at Wisconsin, but he and Max Steinecker, who's one of the two recruiting gurus that Fickle brought over from Cincinnati, they flew down to um, Naples, Florida, which is where DeClone is from, on Monday, <laughs> the day after Jonas left Madison because they weren't going to take no for an answer. And they told him that they were coming. And so they went out to lunch. Um, it was Jonas and his uncle, and then it was Steinecker and Hitchler. And basically they wanted an answer from him. <laughs> and it was, according to Duclona, that's the, that was the third time that members of the new Badger staff had been to Naples to see him in a two week span. And he said like, <laughs> that means a lot because it shows if they really wanted me that much, then I know that we've built a great relationship and that's where I need to be. And he committed <laughs> that Monday. Um, and, you know, yes, he's a three-star recruit, but he's got an all-American bowl invitation. Obviously, he's extremely talented. He had a lot of other options, and he committed the at least publicly within 15 minutes of Braden Moore. But Braden Moore, he also wasn't sure what he was going to do when he he was leaving. He said he left Fickle's office on Sunday and he was uncommitted. And then he was sitting in a, the lounge area waiting to go to the airport and Hitchler came out and talked to him for like 30 minutes. He said that they were 30 minutes. He was 30 minutes past from when he was supposed to leave for the airport talking about why he would fit. And then during he shared a sprinter van with Duclona and then realized that he wanted to commit. And so he's sitting on the plane right about to take off. Um, this is a kid from Ohio and he FaceTimes fickle and Hitchler and says that he's going to commit. But I think that those stories are sort of indicative about, I mean, I call it in my story, relentless effort. Like these guys totally understand what they need to do to have some success and they're they are willing to just put in as much effort as possible and, and i'm not saying that there weren't people who didn't do that like obviously mickey turner who was in charge of the department has an eight-person staff now but clearly at the end under christ or the last year or two there were some issues which we've talked about ad nauseum at this point and this staff i think they just had some tremendous success because they they are willing to put the full effort in right now to get the pieces that they think can help this program. And, and those are just two of the, the four commits. I mean, from Sunday to Wednesday. So they had those two guys, they got Tucker Ashcraft, who was a Colorado tight end decommit. And then Christian Aliegro, who's a outside linebacker. Now he under scholarship under the previous staff, which fickle honored, but think about that. They got a tight end in two weeks. They didn't have a tight end in the class for a year. So <laughs> I think they've had a, a pretty good start and obviously they're not done. How much is it a benefit that these guys are that are on the road recruiting and, and do that aren't, don't have to worry about prepping for a bowl game? 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's substantial. Um, and and so I mentioned Steinecker, Pat Lambert is the other guy. Now he was the director of recruiting at Cincinnati, and Steinecker was the director of recruiting strategy. But it's big because they can devote all their time to this. And you, frankly, at this stage of the game, you have to devote all your time when you've got when you're coming in and you your recruiting class is down to eight guys. Yeah, you're going to get some people in the transfer portal, but we know that Fickle doesn't want to build his roster around that. You've got to get high school prospects, and you've got to do it by December 21st. And I know there's a February signing period, but a lot of those guys are going to sign in December. So I think it's huge. And obviously they've taken advantage of the time. And probably that's why you can go see Jonas DeClona three times in Naples in a two week span. Cause you have that time. All right. Uh, well, obviously the recruiting, a big part of that, uh, Wisconsin is going to play a game here in a few, few days. Um, they're going to play in the 27th against Oklahoma state, both teams without their starting quarterbacks, uh, without, uh, quite a few important pieces. I think Oklahoma State's been hit a little bit harder than Wisconsin, but again, we don't know who the quarterback for Wisconsin is going to be yet. Could be Chase Wolf, could be Miles Burkett. We do know who the defensive coordinator is going to be for this game. It's going to be Jim Leonard. It's his final game uh, as as coach of Wisconsin. Uh, he's been the DC since 2017. Been with the program since 2016. Obviously, we all know what he has meant to the program as a player and, and since he's come back, but he is, he is moving on. We don't know exactly what his next role is going to be. Um, as he leaves, do you think this is the last we see of Jim Leonard at Wisconsin? Wow. That's a really hard question to answer because we all know how much he loves this place, but obviously he reached a point where it just wasn't sustainable to stay. I look, we haven't had a chance to talk to Jim since, since all this went down and, Frankly, I don't imagine that we will before he's he's done here. Would, would obviously love to get his perspective on all of this, but I can imagine it's been extremely difficult. He, I have to imagine he thought he was getting the job. I know I thought he was going to get the job when we didn't know that Chris McIntosh had been talking to Luke Fickle and that it was as serious as it was. And so to be that close and be passed over, that's a really tough pill to swallow. Um and I don't imagine, I, I just don't see him coming back here in an assistant coaching role at a later time, but maybe he goes somewhere and gets head coaching experience, or maybe he goes to the NFL and as a defensive coordinator and sometime down the line, there's an opening at Wisconsin. And I have no reason to anticipate that that's going to happen anytime soon with Luke Fickle, just getting here and belief that he would want to be here for a while and try to change things. But I, I don't see it. Uh, anytime in the near future. I just think this is been, he was in a really difficult spot and it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to overcome. And right now, as it stands, like with the, the, the staff and the people that fickles brought in, it just, it didn't make sense. And I know we can get into that too, about probably why he made this decision, but I, I just have a hard time seeing him coming back anytime soon. I think he'll be back in Wisconsin at some point. It's yeah, that's, that, it's that was, possible, that was but I think it'll be a while. Right. That was the question. It was like, do you think his time at Wisconsin is completely done? I don't. I don't at all. I think he still loves the institution. He may not necessarily enjoy Chris McIntosh right now at this point, um, <laughs> but I think he still loves the institution. The institution didn't do anything to him. The players didn't do anything to him. The no. program itself didn't do anything to him. He put his uh, he, he put everything he had into it, and Chris McIntosh decided to go with a proven version of him. You know, you know, and maybe in ten years, it's it, Jim Leonard doing that. But I. I I don't think he's done. I think we're going to see him back at Wisconsin. I think he's going to be the head coach at some point down the road, down the road. I don't know when that down the road is going to be, but at some point I think he will be. 
Um, and maybe at that point, whoever the athletic director is, we'll see that, or that we'll, we'll notice that he has put himself in a better spot to be ready for that job. Uh, if you're one of those people that thinks he's not ready for it yet, I, I kind of thought he was so, but I think he's going to be back at some point. And I, why do you think he didn't want to stay? Well, I think there's from a, from a standpoint of whether this was going to work, I think there were legitimate questions to be, to be asked. And again, we're speculating here because we haven't had an opportunity to, to talk to Jim. Uh, Luke Fickle obviously thought highly enough of Jim to extend an invitation to him to, to stay, which is not going to happen with very many assistant coaches on the previous staff because of how much success he had, obviously because of how much players respect him. But I just, don't think there was going to be a situation where he would have been granted the same freedoms that he had previously. It was his defense to run. It was his show. Paul, Paul obviously was an offensive guy and Paul hired him for a reason. He's the one who hired him as an assistant two years out of the NFL and promoted him to defensive coordinator a year after that. But I think the fact that even fickle wasn't exactly sure when he's talked to us about how all these puzzle pieces would fit together was telling of the dilemma that everybody faced because he brought in his defensive coordinator at Cincinnati, Mike Trestle and, co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach Colin Hitchler. And so I think that I just think that it would have been different. And I don't know whether there, that would have made sense that Leonard would have been able to run the show in the same way. And um, so in sen- that's less responsibility for a guy who thought that he deserved more, thought he was going to be the head coach. Um, and so I think that that's, that's gotta be, or had to be a big part of the the consideration here. And, and also what would he want from his future? You know, if he felt like he was ready to take that next step and be a head coach, I think it would be hard to go back and just be a coordinator under somebody else you got passed over for. And so we don't know where he's going to go. Certainly he's going to have a bunch of opportunities as he had in a lot of other years. But I think another point in just thinking about this, it's hard to say right now that that was the wrong move to hire Luke Fickle. Now, we we won't know, but just based on the track record that he had, and that's, I think, a big part of this, too, is, I mean, McIntosh sort of addressed this, that the experience factor is important. Jim Leonard had seven games of head coaching experience. Luke Fickle has seven years of head coaching experience. So he's done it and he was able to take Cincinnati and, and guide a non-Power 5 program to the college football playoff. First time that had ever happened for a group of five team. Honestly, I look at it like Jim Leonard is now who Luke Fickle was six or seven years ago. And maybe that's not fair uh, entirely, but look at look at fickle and how many years he was an assistant coach. Obviously he got passed over for the head coaching job in favor of urban Meyer after the 2011 season and went back to Ohio state for five more years and then took over his own program and, and led them to success. And, and I mean, I think Jim would have been successful here, but I don't know whether I can say that fickle would be less successful than Leonard. So it's a really kind of complicated and tricky situation. I, I feel bad for Jim. I mean, I do like, I know we're reporters and we're supposed to keep it down the line and I do my best to do that. But from a purely human standpoint, I don't know how you can't feel bad for, for Jim just because of everything that he put in. Um, and the fact that he turned down so many other jobs to be here. And this is how I opened a, a column that I, I wrote about this the whole situation is I remember the Rose bowl three days before they were going to play Oregon. And we were asking him questions about his future. What did he leave Wisconsin? What, what did he want? Was it a job in the pros? Did he want to be a defensive coordinator somewhere else? Did he want to be a head coach? 
And what he said was, there's only one place to do this job. That's home. And that's Madison for me. That's the draw of staying with the Badgers. And he went out and he proved that every step of the way. He turned down the Green Bay Packers. And, and I know there's other reasons at play. He's got a young family. He's got a house in the area. But I just, it's a it's a tough situation for him. But I also think Wisconsin is in a good spot by hiring Luke Fickle. So where does Jim Leonard go from here? I have no idea. I really don't. <laughs> um, no, I mean, honestly, I, I like a college defensive coordinator role sort of feels like it feels like a lateral move other than he wasn't going to be in the best spot at Wisconsin with a, 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 a like I laid out before with a, a new staff. Um, I just don't, I don't know what he wants. And I mean, I remember after he turned down the Packers, I think I asked him a question to that effect of like, a lot of people thought you were going to take it. And I think he said something like that's, you know, what happens when you assume or something. A lot of people want to tell me like what it is that I should be doing. And so that's, that's why I don't know the answer, but he's going to have a lot of opportunities. I heard the yeah, Packers are having some issues with their defense. <laughs> so I've, I, I've had that conversation a couple different times these last few weeks, just because of where that defense is with Joe Barry and Joe Barry, obviously being the second, maybe third choice for Matt LaFleur two years ago, instead of Jim Leonard, uh, instead of Jim Leonard, the, the upside is you, you turn it around and they go and win a Super Bowl. The downside is you get run out of town, like every other defense corner that's ever been. Yes, on exactly. Um, and, to to sully your reputation again the upside would be huge right to you'd be able to overcome everything that's gone wrong there defensively the last 15 years um say for a few years here and there and be the difference but i feel like the the it's much more likely to be the scapegoat if it doesn't go correctly which again i feel like he was kind of the scapegoat a little bit this season finishing four and three didn't deserve it type of thing. It's blaming him instead of blaming some other, other things that were going on uh, that really he had nothing to do with, uh, namely the offense. So, um, but he'll be back here at some point. At some point he'll be back. I just, I, I just really feel that way. Uh, he's only right. 40 years old. So I, I mean, that's... <laughs> yes, that's, that's very old in some respects and it's very young <laughs> in other respects, just depending on how you want to look at it. I'm going to look at it. It's very, very young. Um, so, all right. Well, we will be back. We're going to be, uh, again, as I said, mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about uh, the 2022 or tra- excuse me, 2023 recruiting class with a signing day special. Uh, going to be doing that uh, middle of this week. Sign- the first signing period opens up Wednesday, Wisconsin, expecting expecting all 12 of those guys to sign, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Some of them. I, have, uh, I think some already probably. have. Yes. That's what I was going to say. They just can't make it official till till Wednesday. Right. Like, I, I, yes. Um, so we'll be back. We'll talk about that. And then we are going to be down in Phoenix for the Guaranteed Rate Bowl uh, next weekend. Uh, and we'll be doing a show from down there as well, leading into the game on Tuesday. Going to be a ton to talk about. We'll see if we talk anything about the game or not. Haven't decided on that yet. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right. There he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.